I've, I've sourced over, I'd say at least at this point, a quarter billion dollars in, uh, in funding for businesses. Uh, not all of that was real estate. You're listening to the Right Club Podcast, where the focus is all about helping you grow your real estate investment portfolio and live the life you want to live. Come grow with us and join our community at therightclub.com. And now your hosts, Sarah Larby and Alfonso Salemi. Hey, Sarah. So I'm really excited about this podcast we're going to have right now. Our guest that you know quite well, Marcin Dross. And yeah, can you tell us a little bit of how you've met him? Yeah, absolutely. I think I just met him from him sending me an email or somebody sending an email to each other, introducing ourselves virtually. Had him on my podcast uh, a couple of years ago, I think it was, and just had a recording session recently with him. And, uh, you know, he, he was mentioning this, this awesome workshop that he's got uh, as well. And so we wanted to bring him into this podcast at The Right Club uh, to share some of that. But I'll tell you, I mean, he's super successful. Marcin has been uh, invest investing for, for quite some time, but uh, really ultimately has uh, perfected uh, or, or become very, very good at raising capital and raising money, uh, you know, to the, to the extent of, I think he was saying uh, a quarter billion dollars raised yes. since he started. I mean, that is very impressive. Um, and, uh, and so we, we talk about that. We talk about some of the deals. I mean, he's, uh, you know, working on a lot bigger deals. So, you know, I think the last one was like a 260 door apartment building. Um, but you know, he's, he's used to raising lots of big money, you know, millions of dollars at a time. And I think this podcast is good for those that are looking to get to that next level. Right. And, and, you know, yes, it's one thing to raise a million bucks or, or half a million dollars, but you know, what if you need a project and you need to raise multiple money? millions? Um, and, and so, you know, d definitely Marcin is a, a great resource uh, for all of that. Um, Francois, can you tell us a little bit about um, some of the things that we might be looking forward to uh, in, when we bring Marcin in? Maybe a couple, uh, a couple key things that, uh, that are going to be very interesting for you and the listeners. Yes. So some stuff is how to like how to position yourself when you're you're looking for those millions. This takes some special skill and it's surprising. So Marcin's actually a shy guy. He had to overcome that and he shares that experience with us. I'm also a shy person. So this is you put on your persona and you just keep trucking. So I was really happy to learn about that and different techniques. So we're going to get a ton of value out of it. Absolutely. Awesome. All right, Right Club community, let's bring in Marcin. Enjoy this week's podcast. Hello. Welcome, everybody. So uh, hi, Marcin. Very nice to, to meet you. And I'm really excited about this podcast interview. Uh, we had a conversation before recording, and I'd love to hear more about Raising Capital. You've been very successful and can't wait to hear some of your insights yeah, thanks for having me, uh, Francois, Sarah. I really appreciate, obviously, the opportunity to be here. Uh, I'm looking at your bow tie. I feel a little underdressed all of a sudden, so maybe I'll... That, that's hilarious, because <laughs> I, I said the same thing, and I'm like, I have a blanket on me, and uh, Francois got his like nice like suit and like, bow tie. <laughs> uh, I'm wearing Crocs, so 2021, you know, <laughs> I had to dress up somehow. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. I mean, we're, we're at home quite a bit. But Marcin, it, it's great to have you. I mean, you've been a, a guest, I think, twice on my other podcast, and uh, you've got tons of great insight. And, uh, you know, I always get some amazing comments uh, from listeners. So we wanted to bring you on this podcast to, uh, to talk about 
raising capital, raising money, your expertise, all that good stuff. But before we do, if you could give us a 30,000 foot view of how you got started in real estate investing and what your strategy is. Sure. Happy to do it. Yeah. Thank, thank you for, for having me. It's been, it's been quite a journey at it for going on 16 years, I think. I bought my first property when I was 21 and it was in Oakville, Ontario. I bought a single family home. Actually, it was a semi-detached and you know, you'll get a kick out of this. I paid $220,000 for it you know, 16 years wow. ago, <laughs> uh, you know, I wish I held on to it cause it'd be worth like 1.2 today probably or more. Um, but actually it, it's interesting cause I ended up selling it cause I didn't know how to raise money. I didn't know how to find investors and I needed liquidity personally cause I was really young. I needed cash, you know, living life. Uh, I made 30 grand on it, which was a fortune to me at 22 or 23 or whatever it was. But you know, if I had the skill set and the understanding of some of the things that I've done over the last 15 years, you know, that would have been an extra million dollars in my pocket. Right. And um, so bought the first property. I was 21 and I got recruited by a private equity firm when I was 22. Uh, moved out west, uh, started working on really large transactions. So I literally went from, you know, buying, you know, houses and going all over, you know, because I grew up in Ontario. So going all over London and Welland and St. Catharines and just kind of looking at the duplexes and triplexes all the way up to zhoop, immediately private equity, land assembly, apartment buildings, syndications, um, just a lot of different big transactions. And I, I remember the managing partner dropping a file on my desk. It was, it was a legal memorandum on, on this uh, strip mall. We were buying, no, a uh, seniors community we were buying. And he starts talking to me in all this gibberish. Because <laughs> yeah, verify this, check this, then call this guy, then the GP this. I'm staring at him. I'm like, mm-hmm. So I <laughs> just start making notes. And I'm 22, 23. And uh, yeah, so I spent a lot of time in private equity, uh, raised a fair bit of equity for, you know, a lot of different transactions, Canada, US cross-border, uh, you know, everything from, you know, the, the basic internal financials to audited finance, you just get exposed to a lot of stuff. And at that age, you don't really understand what you're exposed to uh, until, you know, much, much later. So. I uh, did that for quite a while. Uh, then I broke out and uh, started buying, you know, uh, houses, uh, commercial apartment buildings, put a few uh, funds together, partnerships, uh, bought buildings. And, you know, fast forward to today, um, you know, I've had the good fortune to, you know, uh, make money. I've, I've, I've had the good fortune to, you know, lose money and, and, and make the experiences because real estate doesn't always go up, as, as I think we all know. Um, and uh, yeah, I think uh, looking back after 15 years, I think the most invaluable skill that uh, I've been fortunate enough to develop is the ability to kind of package a deal, rally people around it and make sure I have the capital and, and the opportunities to be able to you know, execute. And, and I think that's the, the biggest gap that I see a lot of you know, start, people starting out or even people that hit a wall is they don't know how to scale that business. They don't know how to raise the capital they need to you know, to keep moving forward. Yeah. And you raise an excellent point there. It's, it's all about presentation. So that's why the, the bow tie, <laughs> but seriously, um, <laughs> really, it, yeah, that's really important is to know what our investor is looking for and how do you present your deal and you're offering it to them. So there's, I'm sure you have all kinds of tips 
for people like what what does this look like i mean most people know okay now refinance i speak to the bank but now you're not dealing with the bank you're dealing with investors that are sophisticated and yeah they're looking for something so yeah and and francois going going back to your your point here and sarah asked me with strategy you know i've done all kinds of stuff buy hold flip flick fix all kinds of stuff and you know the the most sustainable long-term strategy the one boys use especially in the equity world it's you know essentially the berm is the buy except they don't do it with houses they do it with building strip malls i mean there's so many tax advantage to doing it that way from a risk mitigation standpoint there's less risk i've been involved in development as well where literally but you know you dig a hole and up a building and i can tell you there's more margin there but there's also actually more risk and then on the other side you have the here's the coupon clipper you can just buy this thing and fall fall asleep on it but that middle ground where you have the ability to buy an apartment building or buy a house that needs some paint, um, needs some, you know, in between work. In my opinion, that is the most, uh, it's where I want to continue to play. I mean, I'm a cash flow guy. I love cash flow. I love cash flow real estate. And, you know, 15 plus years later, I think back to myself, you know, if I just stuck to that and I didn't do anything else, I'd have more brown hair on my head and probably uh, less, uh, you know, financial lessons along the way with trying to do things like developments or uh, new construction. Yeah, absolutely. excellent. Just, just out of curiosity, and I don't know if you're comfortable sharing, but like how many millions of dollars have you raised over, you know, the time that you started doing this? Uh, sure. Yeah, no. So I've, I've sourced, I've, I've sourced over, I'd say at least at this point, a quarter billion dollars in, uh, in funding for businesses. Uh, not all of that was real estate. Um, I, I was involved in uh, financial service, pardon me, uh, finance-based businesses where I secured uh, uh, letters of uh, credit, pardon me, letters of credit, uh, term sheets for larger facilities. Uh, those are $25 million, $50 million. Uh, but real estate, direct real estate equity related transaction, I, I, it would have to be at least 100. Uh, 100 plus million. So, you know, through, through that, um, and you got to remember, I was fortunate because I went into private equity early, as opposed to just trying to raise $100,000 to buy a house. Immediately, I was looking at, okay, so we're buying a 200 unit uh, seniors home or, uh, uh, you know, uh, seniors uh, living facility, you know, we need X amount of millions of dollars. So you're forced to think differently right out of the gate because whatever you think you want to do for a hundred grand is not the same thing you need to do for 10 million. And it just, it, it changes it. But what's interesting, Sarah, is that as, as I look back at it, whether you're asking for that $5,000 check for somebody, which I've gone and gotten as well, <laughs> you know, you drive across town before they change their mind because you're just so thrilled that they're going to mess with you, right? So, you know, whether it's a $5,000 check or half a million or a million dollar commitment from someone sophisticated, ultimately, it's the same thing, except for that bigger check, you have to be able to go deeper on all of the different topics. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's like you said, it's the same idea and it's getting comfortable. Well, I guess kind of asking or presenting for that money. That's really interesting. Yeah. Well, what you're, what you have to be mindful of is you're not, uh, I have never taken the approach that I'm uh, in a subservient position where I need you to do something with me because I need you 
and and that that's not meant to be arrogant it's just meant to be that you're there to solve a problem for people that need a problem solved and in the case of raising money for your projects if you have good projects a track record and you're confident in your capacity what you then need to do is have the attitude of who has money that needs to find a place to put it and as soon as you don't take it as you know you're looking for charity uh, but you're actually looking to solve someone else's problem because there's billions of dollars. I know people that have uh, a friend of mine, uh, they just had an exit on a company here. Uh, literally, I heard about it today. And, you know, uh, she's going to have a multi-million dollar uh, issue. Uh, there you go. So, you know, whether we do something together or not is, is irrelevant, but she's going to have an issue that she's going to have to figure out what to do with that money. So these are, it's a different mindset. And whether it's for 50000 or $50 million, if somebody has money that they need to deploy, um, you need to think of a way to be, you know, can you help them solve that problem? That's really what that is. Yeah, absolutely. That, that is really well said. And, and, you know, like for me, even with my RSPs as an example, like I don't want mm -hmm. that money just sitting there. I'd rather loan it out like as mortgages and different things like that. So I, I want it to be working for me. Are you able mm -hmm. to share perhaps one of the like latest projects that you've uh, you've been working on uh and then just in terms of like like acquiring funds and how you position that just so we get a we get a good picture of what, you know what it is that you put all the pieces together with sure yeah happy to do it i so i have um i have a i have a system that i call the eight pillars to a successful raise and there's different components and again whether you're buying a duplex or in the case of uh, the last building we bought was a hundred and 78 uh, unit apartment building, um, you know, the fundamentals, the pillars, as I call them, are the same. And any presentation on a transaction for me is the same formula. And uh, so, so I'll give you an example. The, the last deal we did, it was in uh, Memphis, Tennessee, and I've really been on a sort of a, a love affair with Tennessee and Memphis of late because, uh, well, I mean, the market makes sense. Uh, the price per door makes sense. Uh, you know, like, for example, we, we bought 178 units and we paid about 20 to a door, uh, which is, <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, you can't buy a parking spot in Toronto for less than 50,000 or 60,000 nowadays. Right. So, you know, that that was that was intriguing to me. The economy is on fire. Uh, you have uh, FedEx's global headquarters is in Memphis. They have airplanes coming pre-COVID. They were slammed post-COVID. Now that everything's everybody's buying everything online, the logistics hubs are they're insane. Uh, Amazon has a few million square feet there. Uh, Nike, they have 2 million square feet there. Nike, actually a third of their sales is now a direct consumer because of COVID. Whereas before they used to have, you know, retail, the foot lockers and, and all that. So they're doing direct consumer. And, you know, so when, when you combine a strong economy, landlord friendly, uh, low state taxes and, you know, low price per door. And then you combine that with the fact that if you were to build anything now, I can't, you know, I paid, I think I paid 20, whatever it was per, per square foot. I think it was 25 or $30 a square foot. You can't build anything, uh, you know, anything legally with you know, legal labor for under 125, $150 plus the land. So there was a lot of the fundamental markers that made sense for me. So, you know, essentially what we did is we packaged all of what I just said in a, in a, in a cohesive, you know, tangible uh, 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 presentation. And then what we did is we had the investment. So we had our investment thesis before we even had our buildings. So we bought 260 doors in the last 
you know, uh, I'd say eight, nine months. And before we had the doors, we already had our investment thesis. So that's one of the things is that if you're raising money, first of all, if, you know, you've probably met people that are pitching you like 13 different things all at once. And you're just like, oh man, like, what are you doing? So you, you have to have a focus. You have to have uh, a thesis around why you do what you do. Because as soon as you have that, even if you don't have a deal, you can talk about the, 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 the context of what you're doing and why you're doing it. And you can get, you can build interest with people even before you have a deal. So that's what we, we knew we were going to go to Memphis uh, well before we even had our first deal. And we had enough interest between myself, my partners, and a few people that wanted to co-invest that we essentially said, look, we want to go here because of these things. Some of them that I've mentioned to you, if we come across something, do you want me to give you a call? Yes. Okay, great. Minimum investment is going to be X. Um, and, and you can set yourself up however you want to run your business. Obviously, you got to check with lawyers and accountants, but, you know, so people would say yes. Okay, great. So then we target properties. And as soon as we had properties, we then called people back and said, hey, we have this tied up. Here's where we're going. Okay, put me down for 50. Put me down for 250. Put me, whatever it was. And, you know, we had the right legal documents, limited partnership, general partnership. You know, you have uh, disclosure documents. You have to have term. There, there's, you know, it's a lot to unpack on this call, but there's, there, there's a legal process you have to go through with disclosure to make sure your investors understand the risks, the returns, all that stuff. And um, yeah, I mean, we went through the process, we acquired the buildings, uh, we're now renovating them. And, you know, I mean, essentially these are gonna be super burrs, you know, they're gonna be, uh, it's the burr strategy. I call it the infinite cash flow system because ultimately once you buy the building, you refinance it, uh, because we buy at the price points we buy at it and we know where the value is gonna be, we're very confident that we're gonna be able to refinance all the money out of the deal and then have an infinite rate of return. So, you know, we tie all this back to our investment thesis and, you know, that's, that's how, you know, you end up, um, I mean, I'm oversimplifying it obviously, but that's how you end up creating a structure where you have uh, a lot of people who are interested in the concept. And then as long as you deliver the content that ties back to what you've actually done, then people are following along with what you're doing. And, and, and a lot of people miss that because, you know, you get a phone call from somebody, hey, I'm buying this building, do you want to invest? Well, Jesus, like, why? Why there? Why now? Like, you have all these questions. And, you know, you don't want to set yourself up that way with a potential investor, because you're just gonna, you haven't given them any information. And that's how you stay in the driver's seat is, yeah, yeah you kind of, you, you build the case for what you're buying. And I was curious about how you keep buildings under contract because this takes quite a bit of time. So you do all your research first, then properties come. So that makes a lot of sense. That's great. Yeah, I never, I, I mean, we have, you know, like the deal of the century comes along every week uh, through my inbox. The challenge is if I don't know the market and I don't know the demographics and I don't have boots on the ground there, I don't know if I'm actually now setting the new price in the market based on my beliefs from somewhere else, or if it's actually a good deal. So, you know, it's very important to understand the market you're in because again, being in Toronto, if you, if I say to you, Hey, I can buy something for 20,000 a door, you're going to be like, Oh my God, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, hold on a second. That's your Toronto glasses, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know? So initially that got my attention. 
But then I said, okay, well, what's the market down there? What are the cap rates? What's the replacement cost? What are the comparable sales? What does it look like? Because you want to put it into context of what it is there. That's really important too. Yeah, absolutely. We, we, anywhere, right? Just as, as investors, we want to have a good pulse on the market, pick a market, learn the market, analyze the market. And, uh, mm-hmm. and when there is going to be a good deal, you'll actually know that it's a good deal. So you've got a workshop coming up uh, May 15th. Can you tell us a little bit about that and what it's going to entail and how it ties into what we're talking about? Yeah, I'd love to. So, you know, with, with COVID and everybody being at home, um, I, uh, I have a lot more free time on my hands as everybody else probably does. Uh, you know, as I used to travel, uh, you know, I used to be on 50 to 70 flights a year and I don't do that anymore. So that's, that, that's given me some time. And I've been, uh, you know, my, the love of my life here has told me to preoccupy myself a little bit more. So <laughs> what, uh, what I've done is I've come up with a how to raise capital course and uh, it's essentially a full, well, it's a full day training and we're going to spend uh, the morning talking about, you know, how to package a deal. And then we're going to talk about the afternoon about how to, how to actually get the money for it. And uh, what we'll do is, you know, it'll be, uh, it's, it's immersive. I mean, I'm basically, I've basically put the course material together over the day based on, you know, the different stages that, that people go through. So everything from, you know, Francois, you mentioned it, how to pack, you have to package your opportunity in a certain way. And then if you've packaged your deal properly, being able to present it in a way where, you know, you're uh, collaborating rather than looking for charity from an investor is really important. And, and that'll be the day. Uh, I'll, I'll give you one example. So one of, one of my uh, uh, modules is something that I call the easy way to raise money. And easy stands for exclusive, abundant, scarce, and your allocation. So literally what what means is, if you have an opportunity, when I'm, when I'm talking to somebody, uh, what you want to do is you want to establish exclusivity, that E. So in other words, what makes your deal exclusive or limited? That's the thing about real estate is if you get a deal, I mean, you got this. If you find a great deal, you know it's a great deal. to be able to demonstrate that. So for example, in uh, Tennessee and Memphis, there's about 200 left in town that are in a state of disrepair. So we just bought another one. So that means that there's now 199 buildings left. That's a, that, that shows you that there's a limitation around what we're doing. So, you know, you want to be able to establish that. The A, the abundance, is you want to be able to demonstrate to your potential investors that you have plenty of people that you've talked to that are interested in your investment thesis. Because that way you're, you're not, again, you're not coming across as you're looking for charity. You're creating, an, you've created something that a lot of people want, which is great. The scarcity, the fact that at the end of the day, you're only looking for, you know, $500,000, $5 million, whatever it is. So there's limited opportunity. And why is the euro out? So essentially, you know, if somebody interested and they're qualifiable, you know, how do they want you to set aside while they finish their duties? And those are all components. So that's just an example of one of the modules for people how to work with their investors in a way where they, you know, maintain core and obviously have the ability to get commitments to get the projects done that they need. Oh, that sounds like a really exciting workshop. That's great. 
so May 15th, and I think there's going to be some sort of special price for uh, Right Club members. So making it yeah. even more interesting. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're I mean, the, the event is we're, we're, we're not going to get rich off the, off the training here. It's 90 dollars for the day. Um, you know, we charge something for because I always find when you put a little bit of money into something, you, be, you take more, more attention to it. You, you become serious about it. So I wanted people to approve training. So at least invest some in it so you pay attention and you pay it yourself. Uh, for the right club, we have a discount code, which will be the right club. Uh, literally all caps and that'll drop it down to $47 if people want to participate uh, there'll be a recording it'll be recorded after the fact you'll have access to it and uh, uh, for anybody who you know whether you bought your first property or your 10th if, if you're you will hit a wall eventually on the funding side uh, if you haven't already um, and you know if you spend some time with my team and I and, and I can help you through that I think that would be um, I think you'll get a lot of value from it. Yeah, and you work with some high-profile uh, Canadian investors. I know there's uh, Edna Keep in Saskatchewan. She's been really successful buying hundreds of doors. I think she's one of your guest speakers. Um, mm -hmm. Are there others that people might know that are really successful? I know there's you, but do you have others? Uh, I, I have a few people that have responded to me, um, but I have to confirm with them. Uh, I don't want to name drop right now, but yeah, there's a few other people that are very interested in, in getting involved. I threw this whole thing together in a matter of a month, which as I understand is oh, wow. a pretty, pretty quick time frame to do something like this, but you know, it's how I roll. So, you know, we're going to have fun with it. Uh, people will learn and um, yeah, everyone's invited. And it's, and it's what's, what you've been doing for many years as well, right? So I think a lot of the stuff oh. comes naturally as you're putting it together. I mean, it's not like you're creating this from scratch. It's stuff that you've, you're using off, off experience. Um, and before we go into the lightning round, you know, can you share with us like maybe like three key things um, that, you know, somebody that's going to listen to this podcast can walk away with when it comes to, you know, raising capital, raising money, something that we haven't discussed yet. Um, but if you could say, you know, maybe, maybe three, three other key, uh, points that somebody can take away with them today. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, the underlining, uh, the underlining message to all of this is never compromise, uh, your integrity or never misrepresent anything. That's the biggest thing. I know people are eager to obviously raise money to do deals. Um, you know, don't, don't do it. Uh, I'll give you an example. So people sometimes, you know, ask me, okay, so, you know, how long is, is this project going to take? And in my mind, I've got a plan for, let's just say two years to stabilize the asset. You know, I'll be the first to say three to five. Now, experienced real estate investors will say, mm, come on, man, you and I both know it's going to take you you know, 18 months or 24 months. Cause we have really smart uh, developers and real estate guys that invest with us too. And, and they know, they know the business, they know how long things should take. And they say to me, you know, really how long is it going to take? I go, look on paper, it says three to five years. And the reason why you always want to do that is because you always want to set the expectation to under promise and over deliver. That's, that's number one. The other thing that's really important is you need to create an environment of uh, comfort with your potential investors. They can't ever feel like the only reason you deal with them is because they have money. Uh, that, is, that, is, that is the wrong message. It's the wrong type of relationship. 
and it's really one-sided and, and short-term. So for example, I have guys that only call me when they need a check. I don't go out of my way to always take their calls because I know why they're calling. Um, yeah, you need to build that I like relationship. To have, I have some correct. private lenders. They bring me wine bottles and I'm the one borrowing from them. I'm like, what's, what's going on here? <laughs> but it's the relationship. It's the give and take. And, and when yeah. you get to that wealth level, it's not all about money. I know it sounds very cliche, but they yeah. don't care as much. Like, yes, of course, they need bottom lines and all that cash, but there's something else to be said, like genuine, being yeah. genuine and honest and all that and transparent. There, 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 there's, there's a respect that is an underlining uh, expectation if you're in the business long enough. Like I'll give you an example. I, I had one investor years ago. I might've told you this story, Sarah, it just kind of came to mind. Uh, the gentleman has since passed, but years ago he was uh, going to do a quarter million dollars in a, in a project with me and he, he became ill at the time. And I, I, I had to fill my allocation when I worked at the private equity firm, because when you take an allocation, you fill it, like you, you, you fill it or you write the check. And at the time I didn't have the quarter million dollars to fill that hole. So he left me in a jam, not on purpose, but he left me in a jam. So rather than calling him and guilting him and getting his wife to go to the bank, I just left it alone. I figured it out. I called a few of my people. I told them the situation. I filled the allocation. It wasn't a problem. Because I didn't bother him with it, and actually, to the contrary, I went to his house and I dropped off some soup, I dropped off some stuff, that, like a care package, just made sure he was okay. A week later, when he felt better, he called me back about that deal. He totally forgot that he missed the deadline, and I told him what happened. And you know, he appreciated the fact that I didn't bother him, so he literally wrote a check twice as big for the next deal. Wow, that's amazing. So the power again of that relationship, yeah. and the caring kind of bond that you build. And I, I see it all the time. Like I, I see Sarah speaking to high profile investors and people are like, yeah, this and that. And they know each other. It's way more than just a business transaction. So it, it has to be, it's, it's a small sandbox. I mean, at the end of the day, the you know, it, it, you have to have a long-term perspective. If you don't have a long-term perspective, you know, you're, you're, you're never going to be anything more than just someone, a flash in the pan. Yeah, so true. I have a question I've been thinking about. So in Memphis, Tennessee, you bought these places at 20K per door or 22K, I think. And how did you finance the renovation? So obviously you had a plan to acquire, but then how do you finance all these repairs? That's usually my stumbling block is I buy and then how do I renovate? <laughs> <laughs> so we, we went in with the expectation that we were going to do our renovations with cash. Uh, that was our thought process. But uh, the longer we do what we do, we now have lenders coming, coming to us and telling us that they can finance the renos as well or a portion of the renos. So we may consider that in the future. But up until now, we just finance those with cash. All right. Awesome. It, it seems, it seems interesting. I mean, it, you know, you're, you're on a whole different scale. I mean, you're acquiring huge buildings. You've got a good pulse of the market feet on the street over there. And it sounds like you've got a, a great team. Um, and I would just say if somebody's listening to this and, and enjoying the podcast uh, you know, you'll have some uh, um, in the show notes, 
direction on where to go for the May 15th events, but even just after the fact too, to, to reach out to Marcin and, uh, you know, figure out exactly, you know, what he's doing and how you could do it yourself. Um, Marcin, the next part is our lightning round. So we're going to ask you a series of four questions. You're going to give us the first answer that comes to mind. Are you ready? Let's do it. All right. Question number one, what is the best advice that you have ever received from another investor or at a networking event? <laughs> there is no such thing as a free lunch. <laughs> what I mean, what I mean by that is there nothing, nothing's free, you know, nothing's free. Everything, everything costs something. It either costs you your money, your time or both. So be aware of that. Yeah. And time people don't think about it, but it is quite expensive. Time mm. is money. It's so true because it's non replenish. Like you can't add time to your life or anything. Uh, yep. Great answer. Our next question is what is your favorite resource for real estate investing? So anything like a book, a training person, an event. Ooh, uh, my favorite resource. Okay. It, it's not, it's not, it's not one thing. I always, my favorite resources are mentors. I, I love to deal with people that have been to battle, got all the scars. I, I especially people that have made a lot and lost a lot of money and made it back because there's no lessons in successes. It's blind and it's blinding. If you, you know, you've got 20, 30 years, pure bliss, and you never had that fall, then fall and that recovery is the most important parts. My favorite resources that have made money lost made it again. By yeah. far. Yeah, that, that's, that's a great advice. Or, you know, somebody that's had lots of mistakes that they've learned from as well. Um, mm -hmm. You know, because uh, if, if you have it too easy, then, and uh, you know, you don't, you don't learn and you don't grow from that. So hundred percent. No. And you think, and you, you think you're so smart, but really you might've been in a market or an economy that, you know, you, like a genius. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Question number three, what is the attribute that has made you most successful in your opinion? Consistency. Just consistency. I mean, uh, you, you guys didn't know me when I was a kid, but I was definitely shy. I'm still shy. Like I prefer to hang out with one or two people rather than in a large group. People think I'm extroverted. I'm not. This takes energy. Um, I'm having a coffee literally like for me, but the, cons the, the consistency of being able to um, just keep, keep on, keep like, I got fired from six sales jobs when I wanted to learn how to talk to people. Cause I was definitely shy. I literally got fired from selling gym memberships. I sold uh, security systems door to door. I sold furnaces. I like, I, I and I, I took those jobs because I wanted to learn how to talk to a human being. And it was so, but I did it consistently until I learned the skill set. Wow, I never would have guessed. <laughs> yeah, no, I no nobody does. Um, you know, it's uh, but yeah, I'm naturally more introverted. But I, you know, I talk to people because it's it's required. Yes, you know, you do it. <laughs> especially in 2021 with all these computers and everything. So great skill to have. Uh, which leads me to my, our next question: What do you typically do on a Sunday morning? <laughs> I uh, cook breakfast. I, uh, I like to take my time. I'll make like a really big elaborate spread. And uh, yeah, usually uh, Maria eats it. Sometimes she doesn't and that's okay too. But 
Um, yeah, I, I like to make breakfast. I, we like to sleep in on Sunday and just make breakfast. That turns into like a lunch. Cool. Okay. Sounds like a lot of fun. Love that. Yeah. So Marcin, where can our Right Club community reach out if they wanted to know more about you? Where can they go for that? Sure. Yeah. Uh, my website, uh, marcindroves.com is probably the best place. It links into everything, all events, uh, YouTube videos, uh, podcasts. Uh, Sarah, we're going to have you on our podcast in the next little bit as well. So, you know, there's, uh, yeah, my website is probably like a catch-all for everything. Amazing. Any final last words of advice? Uh, yeah, you're never as smart as you think you are and you're never as dumb as you look. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. <laughs> that is a good one. On that note, Marcin, thanks for joining us today. And, uh, you know, folks, Right Club community, go check out Marcin's websites and uh, hopefully you can join us. I'm, and thank you for that, uh, that, that ticket for me to be able to watch it uh, as well. I'm looking forward to learning, uh, you know, what uh, we're going to be teaching about uh, finding and acquiring and raising funds. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Well, I'm, I'd love to have you and Francois on, on, on the, you know, the seminar, obviously attend it. And yeah, any of your members, uh, by all means, take a look. It's, uh, it's worth your time. Awesome. Thanks so much. Right. Thank Thanks, you. Guys. Take care. Hey, Sarah. So how did you enjoy this interview? This was awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Every time I uh, have him on uh, a podcast, and whether it's this one or where should I invest? I always learn a ton. Um, he's very inspirational and, uh, you know, really cultivated what he, what he has today uh, from the ground up by learning trial and error and, uh, and has been very successful doing so. And it's just great to see, you know, different, different level, different scale so that we, we can share, you know, people that are starting their journeys, people that are, you know, you know, maybe five, 10, 20 doors in, uh, or somebody like Marcin, who's, you know, been raising a quarter billion dollars on these huge projects. And uh, I think, you know, any, anything in between, but he, he brings a lot of, of different uh, ideas to the table as well. Yes, I just really enjoyed it. And he's a young guy. He's about your age, Sarah. So I'm not going to say his age, 25. <laughs> but he's still a, a young person and he's been so successful. And it's just amazing. A quarter of a billion. Wow. And buying hundreds of doors, but at a crazy price point too, like 20K per door. That's just nuts. But he did raise a really valid point. So it may seem cheap to us, but is it really cheap in that market? So something to think about when you're doing your market research, like sometimes I'm like, oh, 100K per door is expensive or maybe it's cheap. Well, 20 sounds cheap to us, but maybe it's expensive. So very, very good stuff to use and very actionable content. And I can't wait for his uh, live event on May 15th. Absolutely. Possible great points. Uh, right Club community, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. And don't forget, rate and review our podcast if you do enjoy it. And don't forget to check out and register for free at therightclub.com. Check out the forums, check out the marketplace, and uh, many more awesome things on that note. What do we say to the Right Club community, Francois? Come grow with us. Thanks for listening to the Right Club podcast and joining our community of real estate investors online at therightclub.com, where the focus is about helping you grow. We look forward to seeing you again next week. Thanks from your hosts, Sarah Larby and Alfonso Salemi.